0: Songs we have sung of praise to you, of, of the joy that you give in our lives that gives us strength. Father, I am reminded of Psalm 150, the one we sing in song as we read in Scripture, is, is one where there is a call for all of creation to praise your name, for all of creation to shout, Hallelujah, uh, for all creation, all people to use whatever they have. Uh, whether it's drums or flutes or guitars or pianos or their voice or a whistle, whatever it is, Lord, to praise your name. And Lord, we come to you today as people who desire to do that with our lives, to use whatever we have, to use whatever you give us to praise your name. And Lord, as we do so, I pray now that you would teach us And that you would help us to know what to praise your name about. Lord, as we learn more about you this morning. As we learn how to have a relationship with you that's deeper and stronger. I pray, Lord, that we would have even more to shout to your name. And so we pray these things, Jesus, as we come to your word. And ask your blessing upon it. In your name we pray. Amen. We continue today to learn about Elisha. And as we have learned over the last couple of weeks, God cares about the little things in your life. God cared about, in Elisha's time, whether people had water to drink, whether they had food to eat, uh, whether they even lost an axe head that they had borrowed that they got it back. And we also learn that God is in control in the worst of times when there is chaos. As we learned last week, a city, Samaria, starving to death under a siege. But God miraculously gave them relief and gave them food and gave them new life. Today we also learn how God cares about the big things in our life. I know that you have had a time in your personal life... ...or the life of someone close to you... ...where there was a medical diagnosis... ...there was a disease... ...there was a problem with a body... ...and the doctor said there's nothing we can do. I know also that you have had times in your life... ...when you have been afraid for your future afraid of what might happen to you today, tomorrow. If you've ever had that moment of fear, if you've ever had a desperate cry to God for healing, then you know exactly what these two people we will study today went through. Today, we start with a man named Naaman. We studied his story this past summer, but we focused on a servant girl... In this story, but today we will focus on Naaman. And his story begins this way Naaman, commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a man important to his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he had a skin disease. Naaman, he was a strong, valiant warrior. He was well-respected. He was well-loved, especially by the king, because Naaman had won many victories for him. So in ancient history, even today, someone who would be a great general would be honored and would be respected, would be the guest at any banquet, would be friend to anyone who would have him. He was at the top, but also he had a skin disease, had leprosy. And because of that, he was humbled. And because of that, he was in danger of losing everything that he had. He needed healing. He needed his body to be whole. But there was no cure. There was nothing anyone could do. He was in desperate need, but he also felt Hopeless. But there was someone who gave him hope. You see, in one of his victorious raids into Israel, he had captured an Israelite girl and made her a slave and brought her to his home. And this servant girl served Naaman's wife. Obviously, the servant girl must have seen Naaman and also heard in the household of his distress and his desire for healing. And so she told Naaman's wife, there's a prophet in Israel who can heal Naaman. There was some hope. He had probably thought to that point there was nothing that could be done. But now he heard there was a prophet Now he heard that healing could take place. And so he went to Israel. He got the permission of his king. Of course his king wanted him to go because his king had a valiant warrior who was in desperate need of healing. If he was healed, he would have more victories for him. So his king said, go. When he went to the king of Israel, the king of Israel said, what do you want me to do? (laughs) I can't do anything. But he brought with him and Naaman, all of this gold and silver and clothes. Last week we were talking about donkey's head selling for a $1,000 and, and dove poop for $60. Well, Naaman didn't have to bring donkey's head and dove poop, uh, dove poop to uh, Israel. He brought gold and silver. Uh, I've estimated how much that would be in today's money, but really... If you ever lived in history at any time and had 150 pounds of gold, you were extremely wealthy. It shows you what he had accumulated as he had raided and as he had probably stolen this from all the places in Israel and other nations where he had conquered. But he was desperate and willing to bring all of this wealth as a gift to the king of Israel if necessary or to the prophet if necessary so that he would be healed. You might wonder why he brought clothes. But in ancient times, really most people had one set of clothes. If you had more than one, you were wealthy. If you had what he brought, ten of them, and these were certainly the most, uh, the best, the finest clothes, these were of great value as well. It shows you how desperate and what lengths Naaman would go to For healing. He's not much different from any of us either. If we heard there was a cure. If we heard there was hope. Wouldn't you leave? Wouldn't you spend money? Wouldn't you go to whatever doctor, wherever he was. Whatever was necessary? I'm sure you would. And that's what Naaman did. And he was willing to do anything. Well, almost anything. And we will continue his story in a moment. But I want to introduce to you someone else. And this is Elisha's servant. If you have ever been in a place where you feared literally for your life or you feared what your future would bring, then you understand what this servant felt this one day. Uh, His story kind of begins also with the king of Aram and the army of Aram. And, of course, Elisha's day, Israel... In Aram or Syria, they fought back and forth. And these stories aren't necessarily in chronological order in the book of 2 Kings, but they are glimpses of how these two countries fought each other. At this particular time, the king of Aram would send his troops to different parts of Israel attempting to conquer or defeat the army there. And every time he went, they already knew he was going to be there. So he reasoned just like you would. There's a spy. Someone in my army is telling the Israelites where we are going. It's either a soldier or a confidant or someone. He thought he had a spy. He thought he had a rat in his midst. And he wanted to find out who it was so he could punish them. We came to find out that it wasn't anyone in his army or his country. It was the prophet Elisha. Elisha was the one. God would tell Elisha. Elisha would tell the king of Israel. And the king of Israel was always ready then for the king of Aram. Well, when he heard this, he said, I'm going to find Elisha and I am going to kill him. So the king of Aram said, Go and see where he is so I can send men to capture him. When he was told Elisha is in Dothan... He sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, Oh, my master, what are we to do? Could you imagine waking up in the morning and you see your entire house surrounded by the military? What are you, you would be afraid too, wouldn't you? You're probably be looking at your spouse. What did you do? You know, that's what you'd be doing first. What did you do? Why, why is the army here? He's looking at the army, and he's terrified. He doesn't have any weapons. Elisha doesn't have any weapons. This heavily fortified uh, army is there to destroy them. So he's afraid for his life. I want us to think about these two stories and learn some lessons from Naaman and from this servant. One in desperate need of healing, one afraid for his life. And let's go and learn this lesson first. God is at work even when we can't see it. You see, there was more that was happening than the army of Aram surrounding the city of Dothan. And Elisha wanted his servant to see it. Elisha said to his servant, Don't be afraid. For those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Now when he first heard that, I'm sure he said, Elisha, you're crazy. Uh, those who are with us, I'm here. You're here. Maybe there were some other prophets there. But there's just a few of us. There's hundreds of them. They have Swords! We have no weapons. Are you crazy? But then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, God was with Elisha. God was there to protect Elisha and the servant. God was there to make sure that Elisha was not captured, was not executed. And it didn't matter how many soldiers were surrounding a city, when God with His heavenly army was there, it was no fight. It was no competition. There was no battle. God was going to win the victory. And so you see, we can only see certain things with our physical eyes, can't we? And we can only see with our imagination certain things. But God is always at work, even when we can't see Him. Even when we can't see how our life is going to work out. How circumstances are going to work out. When we can't figure it out, when we can't see it, God is still there. And God is working it out. And God is there protecting us. So we don't have to be afraid. You could be in a moment, just like this servant, afraid for your life. But you can know this. God is with you. He has a plan for your life and it's a perfect plan and it's a good plan and God will protect you. You can know that with confidence. And so you don't have to be afraid when you are faced with the unknown or faced with circumstances that strikes fear in you. See, there was a big army that outnumbered the army of the Arameans. When We are in trouble. We should go to God. Why at times do we wait till the very end to go to God? (laughs) Isn't it true sometimes we will try everything we can to solve our problems? We'll use our own effort. We'll use our own minds. We will use our resources. We will use our friends. We will use every avenue. And then when nothing happens, we say, ugh. Well, I might as well pray to God now. Nothing else has worked. Well, why wait till then? Go to him. Now, Naaman knew that. Naaman knew to go to God. At least he didn't know it was the Lord God as we know, but he knew there was hope. He knew there was a place. And so he went there. The servant girl told him. And we've talked about that. It says, Elisha sent a messenger, though. Let's go back to a story. Elisha's there. Excuse me. Naaman's there, ready to be healed. And Elisha sends a messenger. Elisha doesn't even bother to go out to Naaman. Just sends a messenger who says this simple sentence. Go wash seven times in the Jordan and your skin will be restored and you will be clean. That was it. What we also learned from Naaman is that we should listen to God. Because God had given a simple message to Naaman. Go to the Jordan River, wash yourself in it seven times, and you will be clean. But Naaman didn't listen to God at the beginning. This is what he said. He got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself, he will surely come out, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the skin disease. Then he says this, Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in rage. I want you to notice, Naaman is not a whole lot different from us. I believe there's times in our life as Christians we know who we need to go to. We know we need to go to God. Especially when it's our physical health I mean, most of the time we're asking for prayer in churches for physical health. We know that God answers those prayers. We know that God heals, and so we go to God. And we go to God in other times in our life. But I find this interesting, too. Sometimes God will speak to us through His Word. He will tell us something, and we hear it, and then we say, well, that's not the answer I was expecting. (laughs) That's not the way I had it planned out. You see, we're like Naaman. He had it all figured out. He knew he was going to go to the prophet and the prophet was going to come out and the prophet was going to say a prayer and the prophet was going to lay his hand on him and he was going to be healed. Don't we at times figure it all out? We talk to God and say, God, I need help and this is what I need. I need this, 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 and this and I want it to happen this way and this way and that way. And then God says, nope, that's not how it's going. And then we get angry, just like Naaman did. Well, God, that's not what I wanted you to do for me. That's not how I wanted it to happen. This is what I wanted. And God says, nope, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do for you. Now, fortunately, Naaman had friends. I mean, they were his uh, soldiers, but they were friendly to him in this way. They had great advice. And I hope when you're in a situation like that, when I'm in a situation where we're angry at God because God isn't answering our prayers the way we want him to, we listened to our friends who would tell us something like this. His fellow soldiers told him this. Hey, Naaman, if the prophet had told you to climb a big mountain, if the prophet had told you to do some amazing task, a difficult task, wouldn't you have done it? And Naaman said, sure. Sure. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. He was a proud man, I assume, and so if he had been given a difficult task, a challenging task, he would want to have done it to show how strong he was, how smart he was, to show how he deserved this healing because of this great thing that he had done. Well, they said to him, if you are willing to do that, why not do this little thing? You're just taking a bath, for goodness sake. That's all you have to do. And so Naaman agrees. And he listens to God. And he obeys God with faith. Because remember this, when he decided to go to the Jordan River, he wasn't healed. When he bathed into the water the first time, the second time he went down, the third he wasn't healed, the fourth or the fifth. You see what I'm saying is that he had to have faith that what God had said would come true. And he had the obedience and he had the faith and he went to the Jordan River and he dipped himself seven times according to the command of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy and he was clean. Do you remember when you had skin that was soft? (laughs) Without wrinkles, without freckles, without age spots, without scars on it? I mean, not only did God heal his skin disease, so I mean... You know, it wasn't just like God put some cream on his skin and now his skin was healed. His whole body was restored, renewed. Because he obeyed the word of God. Because he had faith. And then he went to give thanks to God. Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. He wanted to thank God for what he had done. This week of Thanksgiving, are you giving thanks to God for what he has done for you? Isn't it true that sometimes God intervenes and he does something in our life... And then we just go on with our lives. And then the next day we're complaining because God hasn't done something today. What have you done for me lately, God, is almost our attitude. Rather than gratitude for everything he's already done. Elisha refused the gift. Elisha was not doing this for money. He was simply the prophet of God declaring the word of God. God is the one who healed Naaman, not Elisha. Naaman was healed because he obeyed in faith. Elisha really, in a sense, it had nothing to do with it. It was between God and Naaman. And therefore, Elisha refused to take a gift. If you read the rest of the story, which we don't have time for, uh, Elisha's servant did want some of that money. And because of his greed, he ended up having the leprosy that Naaman had. God cares about all people. Jesus referenced Naaman's life when he went to his hometown of Nazareth. If you know, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus went to Nazareth. And when he went there on the synagogue that morning, he was reading from the Word of God and preaching. And the people said, isn't this Joseph's son? You see, they had seen Jesus when he was a little toddler. And they had seen him as a boy. They had seen him as a teenager. And to them, he was just another kid like all the other kids in Nazareth. And so when they saw him and they heard him, they had no desire to see him as the Messiah or the Son of God. (laughs) He's just Joseph's son. He just lives down the street. We saw him when he was growing up. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. In the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. This is Jesus' point. Wherever there is faith, regardless of whether it's an Israelite or a, a Syrian... Or you pick the nationality, you pick the race, you pick the family someone comes from. It doesn't matter where they come from, who they are, God cares about them. And God will intervene in their life. He will do miracles in their life if they listen and have faith. And Jesus is rebuking the people of Nazareth who had no faith. And contrasting them with a Syrian, an Aramean who had faith in God and was healed. In Elisha's day, Jesus said, there were plenty of people with skin diseases in Israel, but they didn't have faith. They didn't believe. They were worshiping idols. They weren't coming to God. But Naaman came to God, and God healed him. So God cares about all people. I want to tell you the rest of the story with Elisha's servant. You see, Elisha opened the eyes of the servant to what was around him. But then Elisha prayed that God would blind the eyes of the army that was there. So God did that, Then Elisha said, this is the wrong town. You're in the wrong place. Let me take you to the place where you want to go. And so he leads them then to the capital city, to Samaria, where the king and his army is. And there they are, and then Elisha prays and their eyes are opened. So imagine yourself in their shoes. You have come with all of your army and all of your weapons to take a prophet from his home, and now you are in the middle of the enemy's capital city. So I'm sure they were afraid and shaking in their boots at that time. And, of course, the king of Israel, he's all excited. Here's his enemy right in the middle of his city. All he's got to do now is just kill them. In fact, he asks Elijah, should I kill them? And Elijah says, no. Why don't we feed them? Give them a banquet. Give them a feast. And that's what they did. Well, they were fed. They were let go. They went back home. And at least for a short time, they never came back to attack. You see, God cared about those soldiers as well as He cared about protecting Elisha and Elisha's servant. They weren't Israelites. They were, quote, the enemy. But God cared about them and protected them as well. And it teaches our final lesson this morning to not repay evil with more evil, but to repay evil with good. That's repeated often in the Scripture in different ways. Peter says it this way in his letter Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. That is how we are to live our life. When others hurt us or injure us, we forgive them, we bless them, and in turn, we receive a blessing. That is how God treats us. God treated the enemies of Israel with compassion, with mercy. We are to treat our enemies in the same way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we have heard you speak to us today. We have heard, Lord, how when we are in desperate need of anything, when we are fearful In any part of our life, we have heard, Lord, how you are with us and you are always working. And that, Lord, if we listen to you and if we obey you in faith, Lord, we can see you do miracles in our life. So I pray, Lord, especially for my brothers and sisters today who feel like Elisha's servant or they feel like Naaman. Maybe they came in here today overwhelmed, without hope, not knowing where to go. Or maybe, Lord, they have come to you in prayer, but they have put conditions on their prayer. They want you to act in a specific way rather than being willing to obey you in how you answer. I pray for them, Lord, that you would give them hope today, that they in faith would believe that they would go to you and receive your blessing. And Lord, I pray for all of us that as we learned last week, we would not keep your blessings and the good news of the gospel to ourselves. For Lord, you care for all people. And you care for those even who would hate us and tell us to love those who hate us and to pray for our enemies. Lord, I pray we would have your heart and that we would see others really not as us and them, but to see everyone as your creation and that we would go to them with love and the gospel so that they can be part of the family of God. I pray your blessing upon us now as we respond to your word. May we sing, Lord, with joy and may we respond with yes. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name, amen.